understatement, uh, 48 years. And back in those days, I used to sit up here behind Austin Chamberlain while he was preaching. Uh, and there was no air conditioning in the church back then. And it get, got very warm during the summer, let me tell you. But uh, we had a good time when we were here and uh, did some crazy things with young people that we would never allow a youth pastor to do today. You know, how that works. I was supposed to continue on. I had a series of two uh, messages uh, and... Uh, Things kind of changed uh, last week as, as I taught Sunday school, actually two weeks ago. Uh, I was teaching Sunday school class uh, on the topic of trouble from the book of Proverbs. Uh, and I've been teaching uh, in Sunday school on and off. I trade places with a, a much younger teacher than myself. Uh, and uh, for several years now, I've taken a shot at the book of Proverbs. And it all started about 10 years ago in my devotions. Uh, I decided to do a topical study and make a list of all the verses in every topic in the book of Proverbs in my devotions. After the first three chapters, I had 80 topics. 80 topics. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? But I soon found that these same topics repeat over and over again. Most of them show up I think I've only got five or six that don't show up in the first three chapters. Uh, and then they're repeated through the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. I spent several months in this study and was amazed at the truth contained in, in just a simple, uh, sometimes 15, 18 word proverb uh, in this book. In the past few years, I've taught two categories. I taught on wisdom uh, that was the first group, and uh, it was I taught for about 12, 14 weeks on wisdom. And then this past spring, I taught on relationships. But Sunday the 24th, I was just filling in for the other teacher because he was gone, and I taught um, on a miscellaneous topic, and that topic being trouble. Now, I'm going to use that word trouble so many times today that I'm likely to break into the song and sing, You Got Trouble, uh, from the music man. Um, but I, I'll try not to. In preparation for this sermon, I googled the word, word trouble and found a list of synonyms for the word trouble. That there were over 70 of them. Some of them are up here, and you probably can't even, they're probably small enough you can't read too many of them. But you'll find the words like problem, difficulty, anxiety, worry, distress, concern, disquiet, issues. You know, that's a current, very topical one of uh, we have issues, right? That means we have problems. And it goes on and on. It's a common experience for every one of us to have some kind of trouble. It just is. All of us will face trouble in our lives. My study of the book of Proverbs told me so, as if we needed to be reminded. There's just trouble all around. I looked around the room as I started to teach the Sunday school class on the 24th of the last of July, and I saw uh, several who had lost loved ones. That's definitely trouble. A couple facing moving to a retirement living. That's, from my viewpoint, trouble, you know. Um, the whole room, everyone in the room was suffering from what? Inflation. 
trouble. Trouble all around us. What a great positive way to start a Sunday school class or a sermon. We've got trouble. But I persevered and I taught on trouble, but I ran out of time. Just That happens almost every time in, I teach Sunday school. But just as I was getting to a PowerPoint slide that said, we need not fear trouble, I didn't finish. I couldn't. I was, I was out of time. A few moments later, after the class was over and most of the people had left the classroom, Val Canodal, and some of you know Val. I, uh, Val is a, a wife of a retired pastor in our conference. She came up to me after the class and said, I need information, that, the information that you skipped over. She said, we know what our troubles are, but we need to know what we can do about the trouble in our life. And that's what those last three slides were. And that's what this sermon is about from the book of Proverbs. Hopefully, I'll be able to preach this at Park Place sometime in the fall when the pastor's gone. And I'll, I'll be able to share so that Val understands what to do with trouble. But I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles. You can read it maybe on the screen. Um, I'm reading from even uh, the English Standard Version. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, and, and you can keep a finger in there because I've got several verses there and then some from chapter 3. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. And then Proverbs uh, 3, and you can kind of keep your finger, it may just be across the page for you in your, in your Bible. Proverbs 3, 25 through 26. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, now that sounds like trouble, doesn't it? For, or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And this is what I want us to remember this morning. We will have trouble in our life, but we need not be troubled. We hear it constantly on Christian TV and radio today. We hear if you just have enough faith, Believe sincerely enough in God's promises. We have four promises we're going to look at here. You will not experience illness or poverty or failure. And you hear it over and over again. We may even be told, just believe God. He won't let His children suffer. But this prosperity-based gospel theology just doesn't pass the scriptural test. doesn't pass the test of Proverbs. Scripture tells us that neither a young man in John 9 nor his parents sinned and caused him to be blind, but rather that it would be for the glory of God. Scripture also tells us that Paul's thorn in the flesh was not overcome by Paul's faith, wasn't overcome by his repeated prayer or his great service. God told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Of course, Paul had trouble, the thorn in the flesh, certainly, but beatings and imprisonments and shipwreck and finally even his martyrdom. That's trouble. Certainly, Jesus was thinking about the Pharisees' false teaching when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just 
and on the unjust. Friends, we'll find that there's trouble in our lives. As long as we're in these, what Paul calls, earthen vessels, but we do not need to be troubled by them. Yes, we will sorrow over the loss of loved ones or over taking our youngest away to college and leaving her there. Trouble. Yes, we'll be bent and ache with arthritis. We'll tearfully pray over wandering sons and daughters. We may even suffer from cancer. And you can't see it from there, but I just had some taken off my face and there will probably be a scar there. Uh, we all suffer. But these two Proverbs put us in, give us some spiritual advice of expecting God's provision, expecting His protection, receiving His support. And there's four reasons, four promises here in these two Proverbs for us to look at. So that like the psalmist, we will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. So let's look deeper at these promises. First of all, Solomon reminds us that the Lord gives. Now, you, you might think I didn't finish the sentence. And, and the proverb here goes on about what he gives us. But the, the issue is God gives. He gives and he gives. Proverbs is clear in two, chapter 2, 6 and 8 when it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He gives wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God gives knowledge in 2 Corinthians 4.5, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And he also gives us understanding. Remember Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego it says in Daniel 1.17, These four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Should be enough, right? But wait, there's more. Sounds like an infomercial. He has so much more that we either can keep out of trouble or will help us right through the midst of the trouble that comes. Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father in heaven. Our God gives. And that truth, that simple truth, was true for Abraham and for Moses and for David and, and David's son Solomon. And uh, I, I have to tell you, I have to confess the three little questions in the, in the bulletin about Solomon. I had to look at the answers on the inside page. But uh, Solomon wrote these words along with his wise friends. But do we believe that God gives? Do we live like we believe that God gives? Do we, does it make us a better people as believers as we go through the things that this life brings to us? Does it direct our steps away from the evil that tears us down and trips us up, that trouble us? I want to, for a few minutes, remind you of the life of Hannah. Hannah and Peninnah were uh, wives of Elkanah. Peninnah had children. We aren't really told how many, I don't think, but Hannah was barren. Now, we really don't understand the trouble 
that that brought to Hannah in her culture, in her Jewish culture, because it meant to a lot of people that she was not blessed by God, or at least not blessed as much as others, particularly Peninnah, this other wife. On top of that, Peninnah made life unbearable for Hannah. It says in, in 1 Samuel 1, she provoked Hannah grievously. So one year when they went up to the festival to offer sacrifices and so forth in Jerusalem, she got away from the family and went to the temple to pray. She would have been in the court of the women, uh, but apparently uh, the priest saw her there, Eli. And it says her heart was so troubled in spirit that there were tears and lips moving, but no sound. The priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. When she told Eli why she was troubled, he gave her this promise from the Lord. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have made to him. And the Lord gave Hannah a son. Friends, what does God need to give to you today? All of us need wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, but what else do we need? Do we need a job? A job that fulfills us or a a job that allows us to minister to others that are in need? Do we need healing from COVID complications, from cancer, from a knee injury, or healing from a, for a broken heart? Whatever our need is, we find that the Lord gives and He gives and He gives. But there's another thing we learn from the story about Hannah. We need to ask God for what we need so desperately. We need to ask Him. Ezra 8.21, There by the Hava Canal, I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey. They were returning to Jerusalem, to Judea, and they needed safety on their way. 1 Timothy 5.5, The widow who is really in need and left all alone, puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. Why? Because God gives. John eleven twenty two. 22, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask of Him. I have to go on, but we could spend an hour right here talking about all the things that God gives us in spite of the troubles that come from being in this life. But we need to go on because sandwiched in here, and I didn't see it at first, is a second promise in two, Proverbs 2.7. Uh, I almost missed it. When troubles drift all around us, we need to remember that God stores up knowledge to help us. God has a store of knowledge to help us. It says in Proverbs 2, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Now we started out here, started out here with a prerequisite. It's for the upright, the righteous. Who do we know in Scripture that was both upright and troubled? Job, right? Upright and troubled. Job 1.1 There is a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And then in Job 1.8 we see that the Lord uh, talks to confront Satan with have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? 
But as we progress through the book, we recognize that Job suffers great family loss and great uh, financial loss. And there's trouble. And his friends come to visit him and to share with him all their vast knowledge that should be stored up in them, but he just caught, they just caused him more trouble. Even with Job's sorrow and later skepticism, we find that God's wisdom was stored up in Job. The upright Job, not in his friends. Finally, we find God telling Job's wisdomless friends in Job 42, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. And so what happens? He says, you go to Job and you ask him for help and you ask him to pray and you take a, take a sacrifice that he can offer before me. You have not spoken the truth about me, he says, as servant Job has. So we have what should be. There should be wisdom in the friends, but there was not. And we have what also should be wisdom stored up in their leader and leader's example, which was Job. And not to be overlooked in God's wisdom stored up in his word, which he gave to Job himself. Now the whole book of Proverbs is a storehouse a place where God has stored up wisdom, His Word. With, um, and and if, you, if you spend time to dig into it, you'll find that almost always it's in relationship to righteousness. It's in relationship to being upright. It's in relationship to being right before God. That's where discerning comes from. Where else does God, does, uh, God store up His knowledge for the upright? In our fellow believers. Preachers, teachers, commentators. Matthew 12, 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. In our families, Proverbs 15, 6, the house of the righteous contains great treasure. And usually when it's talking about great treasure in Proverbs, it's talking about wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And in the classroom of the scholar, Proverbs 10, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. I have a little extra. I, I found this uh, in my devotions this morning. Every, every day in my devotions, I read from the Wesleyan Daily Devotional. It comes to me online as an email. And, um, and if, you, if you want to get that, uh, you, you can look that up. You just look, look, look up the Wesleyan Church online and on their webpage, there's a place where you can sign up to get the Wesleyan Church's devotions. This was this morning. I thought, how appropriate. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Psalm 118.14. This is by a man named Scott uh, Donahue Martins. Uh, lives in, in Boston area. Uh, works at a Wesleyan church there. He said, one day, my wrestling coach gave us a lesson on the limitations of individual strength. If I say strength, you can just put slash knowledge there. He gave the strongest person on the team a gallon jug of water to hold with his arms stretched out. Just a gallon, only a gallon. The rest of us ran in a circle around him, probably on the wrestling mat. Matt, as you know, there's a circle there. And, uh, and watched. At first, he laughed that we had to run while he stood still. And he noted how little strength it took to hold the water. 
Over time, though, the gallon weighed down his arm and it got harder and harder for him to hold. The constant use of strength turned a simple task into an impossible one. When it came too much for my teammate to hold out, coach switched us out. While it was impossible to hold any longer for one person, the task was once again initially easy for the new person who had full strength. Then he writes, God invites us to bear one another's burdens or to share with one another his wisdom. This is shared upright, lightens the load that any of us must bear at any given time. Fresh strength can be a balm for our weary souls, for those who are troubled, I'll add. There are also times when we need to turn burdens over to God. What are you holding on to in your strength that you need to turn over to another? What can you hold for one another person, for another person in need? And then the closing comment, be attentive to your needs and the needs of others. Stored up in this congregation here is a wonderful storehouse of help and wisdom and knowledge that we can share with one another. And so often when God gives, He gives through God's people. Through God's people. The common denominator, though, is being upright in spirit. Scholar or fellow student, preacher or a pastor, church council, remember Acts 15, the church, first church council, or Christian counselor, older friends or young servants like Timothy, the common denominator when it comes to listening to those in whom God's wisdom is stored is our own upright heart. Don't go to the fool for wisdom. Proverbs says, wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool invites wisdom. Go to the one, Proverbs would tell us, whose father was upright to begin with and taught. Proverbs 7, 1, my son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Let me briefly tell you about stored up wisdom from my life. I was a young pastor and I was in a new church and I was asked about a, to have a wedding for a family uh, grown kids for one of the uh, families in the church. They didn't attend our church, but I agreed to have the wedding and counseled the couple, and, and then came the rehearsal. And everything went fine until at the end of the rehearsal, I asked for the wedding license. I always ask for the wedding license at the rehearsal so I can fill it out and get it ready for the next day. They didn't have the wedding license for me. So I said, bring it to me first thing tomorrow when you get to the church before the ceremony. So they came and they gave it to me with no explanation, left it in my hands. Thankfully, I read it through it before the, seminary, before the ceremony. And I found that it was not valid until Sunday. You know, you, only have, you have to have it for at least three days before it can be valid. Of course, I couldn't marry them, could I? I certainly couldn't sign the license with a wrong date. Nor could the witnesses sign a legal document that was not correct. That would be perjury. What did God have stored up for me by way of His wisdom, and how can I find it out? This is what I did. I first called my superintendent. Because he had a wealth of experience, but also, he knew the family. And then I called my best friend in the ministry and asked what he would do. And one of them, I don't remember anymore which one, 
came up with the idea that I put into effect. I called the couple into the office before the ceremony, shared with them that I could not sign the wedding license until the next day. I would go through the ceremony in the church because people were already gathering. But I required them to return on Sunday afternoon. The wedding was on Saturday afternoon. I required them to return Sunday afternoon to my office with the witnesses who needed to witness the ceremony on the proper day and finally informed them that I didn't consider them married yet until it was legal. I equate wanting to do the right thing with being upright and God had stored up for me His wisdom in someone close to me. So why is it important to be upright? Because if we're not upright in heart, all the wisdom, all the good things God gives us other than wisdom and understanding will not be used properly. Proverbs 4, 6, Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And that proof brings us to this third promise. In times of trouble, we should remember that the Lord is our shield. The Lord is our shield. Uh, the proverb we read says he's a shield to those who's walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice. However, there's, there are troubles that we do our best, uh, attempt to live a righteous life, that just come. Everyday trials, common illnesses. Nancy was telling someone back in May we'd gone two and a, a year and a half and hadn't gotten the, the, the COVID virus. And the next week, guess what? It happened. Accidents on the road or at work. Relationships that others give up on, give up on us. But God, and those are wonderful words, but God watches over the way of His people, Proverbs 1, 6 says. He is an active shield. It's a lot like teaching your kids to walk. You want to shield them from every fall, right? But you know you can't. So you stand behind them, take them by the hands, uh, walk with them until their momentum's up, and then you let them go, and they fall down. <clears throat> and they start to cry. But not really cry because they're hurt, because you've already patted them with a diaper and, and all of that. But because you're there to comfort as well as to shield them. And as soon as they're up walking and doing well and you're watching over them and caring for them, but time will come when you need to let them fall again a little bit. Not very far, like, like going up the first steps. You want them to learn to be careful. You're their shield. You'd think the children of Israel would understand. Genesis 15.1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. That's way back before he was even called Abraham, right? A long time, early on with the Jewish people. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Then later after Solomon, with the prophets, Jeremiah 16, 19, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge and day of trouble. Maybe Solomon learned this from the wisdom stored up in his father David. 2 Samuel 2, David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield. 
and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You saved me from violence. So even back then they were repeating the chorus over and over again, right? Uh, repeated over and over again. My refuge, my shield, my stronghold. We should remember that Solomon never had to fight a battle. David did all that. God gave Solomon peace, but unfortunately Solomon was lulled in complacency and he married many women and from many lands with allegiances to many gods and he built many cities and trusted in horses and chariots and made too many political friends and maybe even wrote too many books and we get to Ecclesiastes and he calls it all vanity. He's troubled because he didn't really learn from it. You see, a soldier has to hold up a shield for it to do any good in protecting himself. And Solomon didn't. For that matter, when a soldier lets his shield drop, all those around him in the rank are in danger as well. And Solomon didn't hold the shield. He failed at both responsibilities. We dare not. Remember in Ephesians, in all these circumstances, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of the salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And praying, every one of these points promises, expects us to pray and ask. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, that to the end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The shield of faith. Our trust in God alone is not just for us. It's for those around us for whom we are the storehouse of God's wisdom and blessing. We can be in trouble, but not be troubled because God gives, God stores up wisdom, it's available, and God is our shield. Which brings us to the last promise we find in this last passage in Proverbs 3. When trouble seems to pop up in front of us, the Lord, and this is a beautiful picture, the Lord is our confidence. The Lord is our confidence. Proverbs 3, 25, 26. Do not be afraid of the sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and keep your feet from being caught. By now, when trouble comes, and it will sooner or later, we should know, we should have confidence that God watches over us. Several weeks ago, I watched the, the Pac-12 football media day. I, I, to tell you the absolute truth, I set my watch, alarm on my watch, so I didn't miss Oregon State's 15 minutes. And you see my water bottle over there. If you do later, it's all beavers all the time. But I watched several before that and several after that. Coaches were interviewed from each team, along with the coach, two players, one offensive, the other defensive from each school was interviewed. They were all brimming with confidence. Mostly their confidence was in their defensive scheme or in their recruiting or in their experience as a team or or in their great coaches. But there were a few who said something like, it was God's plan that I be here. Or God 
use that year of injury to help me. Or God knows he's in control when they're asked what the future held. Their confidence, just a few of them, but their confidence was in God. We should all have confidence to share our faith that way, to take that short-term missionary trip, to give that scary amount to the building fund, because our confidence is not in what we can do. Our confidence is in God. The God that will not let our foot to be caught. And when that's true, even when trouble comes, it doesn't seem difficult at all. Certainly not too difficult for our Father in Heaven who loves us. Now this morning I haven't preached on the topics of wisdom and the topics of relationships and the topics of, of leadership or work. But I don't need to. If you have full confidence in God, then when trouble comes, it will not trip you up. You will know that God is giving you the, all the knowledge and everything else that you need from the storehouse of His Word and from the storehouse of His people. And you will experience the shield of God Almighty when you most need it. Is your confidence in God. Let's bow together. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I don't know what troubles are represented right here this morning, either in the church or online, for those who are listening. But what I do know is every trouble can be overcome by Your grace, by Your goodness, by Your gifts. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we might recognize that right here with the person next to us who, in whom You have stored up so much available to us when we go through trouble. Those who pray, those who ask, those who receive from You, just what is necessary when we face difficulties. So Lord, help us to have confidence in You this week. Help us, dear Heavenly Father, when a trouble, a difficulty, a temptation, a pain comes, we turn to You first and then to those in whom You've stored up help for us. But Lord, help us turn, up, turn to You first for our confidence is in God alone. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.